Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I have a special announcement for you today. For a limited time, you can get six months of Slate Plus for just $29. That's 50% off. As a member, you'll get no ads on any of our podcasts, unlimited reading on the Slate site, and member-exclusive episodes and segments from our show and other shows like Slow Burn, Political Gab Fest. Slate's podcasts cover major news events from elections to social issues to historic court decisions. Our shows also discuss what makes a song a smash, analyze what's going viral, and decode cultural mysteries. If we've become a part of your listening routines, we ask that you support our work by joining Slate Plus. Sign up for Slate Plus now at slate.com slash plus to access all of Slate's content and support our work. Again, it's just $29 for six months through October 28th. So sign up now at slate.com slash plus. This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Monday, October 17th, the One Bite Too Far edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I run the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose, and I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's 8, and Teddy, who's 6, and we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Zach Rosen. I host another podcast called The Best Advice Show. I'm the dad of Noah, who's 5, and Ami, who's 2. We are in Detroit. I'm Dan Coyce. I'm a writer and editor at Slate. I'm the author of the forthcoming novel, Vintage Contemporaries, and I'm the dad of Lyra, who's 17, and Harper, who's 15. We live in Arlington, Virginia. Well, today on the show, we answer a very interesting question about a dad who threw a half-eaten bite of hamburger at his 12-year-old daughter. Yep, you heard that right. Our letter writer is worried this is part of a pattern of escalating anger. We have some thoughts, but first, we wanted to jump into our Monday mailbag. We got quite a few letters from our Uniform Crisis episode, which was about the teen in junior ROTC whose uniform was taking a toll on his mental health. And most concerningly, he told one of his parents that he was thinking of, quote, unaliving himself, unquote. So there is a content warning over this section. If this isn't for you, feel free to skip ahead a few minutes. We did want to share some of these letters. Here's the first. Dear Mom and Dad are Fighting. I participated in ROTC in undergrad and then continued to wear a uniform once a week in law school after I was commissioned in the Air Force. And I kept wearing a uniform every day for the remainder of my career as an Air Force JAG. I was pretty darn good at being an officer and a military lawyer, if I do say so myself. But let me tell you, I hated every day of wearing a uniform and I was objectively terrible at it. When I was in school, I deeply loathed uniform day. I just felt like a failure. And although I was very organized in my academic life, there always seemed to be an essential piece of clothing I couldn't find. Ironing, shining shoes, making sure my ribbons were lined up correctly all seemed like straightforward tasks. And yet it felt like everyone else got a rule book I didn't. Years after I left the military, I was diagnosed with ADHD. Because I was capable in school and work, it was never something anyone identified until I saw a mental health professional for postpartum issues and realized a lot of my frustration was due to issues with executive function. When I look back now, it seems clear that one way my ADHD played out was in my continuing uniform drama. Perhaps that's part of what's playing into the letter writer's son's struggle as well. 
Obtaining an ADHD diagnosis may be a deal breaker if he's aiming for a military career, and that's a can of worms all on its own. But even if a diagnosis and or medical treatment isn't right for the letter writer's child, it may be worth exploring alternative options that address possible executive functioning issues. It could be taking a picture of a correctly completed uniform and referring to it each week, or making a checklist of steps to prepare the uniform in the correct order, developing uniform storage solutions that provide a clear place for every required item. I'm here to say that a person can have a successful and rewarding military career or extracurricular experience, even while hating uniforms. But I sure wish I could go back in time and tell myself that uniform challenges didn't reflect on my worth as a person. Good luck. We also got this note we wanted to share. Dear Mom and Dad, I wanted to mention some potentially life-saving steps for parents with a child experiencing suicidal ideation. As a parent, you should immediately take proactive steps to secure dangerous items from the obvious, i.e. guns and knives, to the less obvious, medicine, chemicals, and even things like pencil sharpeners. And place these items in a safe, locked suitcase, toolbox, or other secure location. My wife is a child and adolescent psychiatrist and sees a number of tragic cases where children gain access to over-the-counter medicines or household cleaners. And I'm not a doctor, and this isn't meant to be medical advice. Obviously, locking up these items should never substitute for getting your child the proper level of mental health support they need. But taking these steps to secure dangerous items could save your child's life or prevent serious injuries. Thank you for discussing this critically important topic. And my thoughts are with any parent who is in this difficult situation with their child. I mean, that's sadly just a very smart, proactive thing to do. Like you say, just secure dangerous items from the obvious to the less obvious. I really appreciate this because we didn't we didn't touch on that last time, um, but we should have. And that's that's a really good point. Well, as always, we love hearing your experiences and getting some additional advice. So please keep sending them in. You can do that by emailing momanddad at slate.com. On that note, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dive right into our listener question. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby-winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts. We're back and ready to hear today's listener question. Dear mom and dad, last night my husband went to pick up our 12-year-old daughter from gymnastics. She came home sobbing uncontrollably and it took her a long time to tell me what happened. She finally told me that dad bought her a cheeseburger on the way home. He asked for a bite and then my daughter got mad that he had taken too big of a bite. Then he took that bite out of his mouth and in her words threw the food at her. When I questioned him, he said it was either that or throw the burger out the window. He had bought it for her, and it was his right. I asked him to leave the house, but in general, his anger has been amping up lately, and I just don't know what steps to take. Please help. If this were a one-off incident, 
I think maybe it would be forgivable. We can get frustrated and stuff, but because it seems to, you know, be, uh, like you say, anger that has been amping up lately, this is a total red flag and, um, super concerning. My dad had some rage growing up and I have like spent my whole life trying not to be a rager. And despite all that, I have still raged on my kids. Um, they, they have the ability to kind of bring it out of me in ways that I didn't know was possible. So I totally can understand feeling rage, but acting on it is a whole nother story. Chewing up a burger, throwing it at her requires um, some deep reflection and, and an apology to start a serious apology to your daughter. Um, and then beyond that, if you're not in therapy, you should be. Um, if you aren't actively talking about um, this anger, you should be. And uh, I mean, this isn't the rager that wrote in. This is the partner of the rager. So for your sake, this is kind of like the the most important thing to address in your family right now. And if the cheeseburger thrower is not willing to acknowledge that this is just a fluke, but, um, you know, rather commensurate with a trend of late, then, th- then that's an issue. So um, I think talking to, talking to him, uh, you know, with love and support and not demonizing him is important, but no, this is a super serious issue that needs to be addressed now. Often when we get letters like this, I think oh it would be really interesting to hear the you know the other partners take on this story uh, or the child's take on the story this is a case where maybe more than any other letter i wish that we could hear what the dad has to say about this what the husband has to say about this in part because the version of his reasoning that is presented to us sounds completely insane the, it was either that or throw the burger out the window and he had bought the burger. So it was his right to do that. Like that is not the logic. That's not the explanation of like a normal person having a normal human interaction. That's like weird, like I'm a Vulcan and therefore I must only proceed in the most logical manner. It seems in some way to be overcompensating for the rage that presumably caused this situation, the cheeseburger throwing. Um, but it also just feels so odd to me. And so I wish that the letter writer had been able to get a real explanation from him about why it is he did this, even if the explanation was just, I was really angry and I threw the cheeseburger. The fact that he's unwilling to even talk about it to that very simple extent and instead gives these like baloney like not answers makes me well he's doubling down right yeah 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 it just makes me feel super unhappy about the situation he's doubling down and saying like yeah don't question me is how i read it like of course i threw the burger like i'm any so- any normal person would do yes that. that's what he's implying like there was no other choice and that's a real bummer like because of what it implies about how difficult it is going to be for this letter writer to take this on in the way that, as Zach points out, it deserves that because it is a real problem that needs to be addressed. Um, but I also think, you know, when you are talking to hopefully a third party about this, and most good therapists, I think, are going to go into this, but to really encourage him to talk about what it is he is feeling in those moments 
in a way that feels real to you and not like a doubling down or a defensive smokescreen. That's hard, but it seems like if, if he can't even reach that level, then that seems like, like a deal breaker. Yeah. I mean, she, it sounds like the letter writer set some boundaries. And I think that's the first thing, like she can't change his behavior, but she can set boundaries, which I think includes a conversation of like, I'm going to protect myself and my children from this type of behavior. And she sort of alludes to like this anger problem, but like we're borderline now, or maybe are already at like abusive behavior, possibly, you know, um, certainly like verbal abusive behavior. I think not because the event happened. Like I, Sure, you made a bad choice and you pulled this piece of burger out of your mouth. But it's, Dan, you're right. It's that piece of like doubling down as opposed to saying in the moment, I did absolutely the wrong thing. Like she was upset. I had had a bad day. You know, I was hungry too. Like this was hangry. I'm going to go apologize and make it right. Right. That would have been, this would have been a non-issue. This would have been a thing that everybody laughed. Remember that time dad threw the burger at me? Like funny. But instead, because he insists on sort of dumbling down and it sounds like you're seeing this pattern, I think your conversation needs to kind of be like, are you willing to come to therapy? Are you willing to work on this as a family? And the answer to that is no. Then what is your boundary? Is your boundary that he can't then be in the house or that that, you know, you're doing a separation? Like, I think that is the thought that you need to give to this situation. How are you going to get some kind of break or that boundary um, that makes sense for the family. I think if he's willing to work on it, I, I've i talked about this before. We use a system of family rules, which is um, based on this book called Positive Parenting with a Plan, which I read, took some of it, left some of it, um, which was recommended. The book was recommended to us by a therapist. And what I like about it is that you sit down and make some family rules, which then apply to everyone in the family. And it's things like, um, we don't yell. And when we do yell, this is we draw these cards. And the idea of the cards is to basically rebuild these relationships and to be rebuilding this positive behavior over the bad behavior. But I like it because it is a good uh, way to remind us as adults that these are rules that we have agreed to too, right? Like that we have said that we don't, um, we also do not do these behaviors and that when we do, we face the same consequence. And there is like a built-in, don't worry, there's uh, the other parent gets to act as, <laughs> as part of the arbiter. So it's not like your kids can come and say, well, dad yelled because he told him to clean up, you know, their room or whatever. I think something like that might work because it is a way to hold everyone accountable for their behavior without it having to be that you are going to him and saying, you know, you did this and you did this. Because I find in a marriage that just makes things like it makes one parent is like the the good person telling the other parent what they did wrong. Because it doesn't sound like you have a relationship where you can say like, hey, you know, after the kids are in bed, like, hey, I know you must have been really mad. Um, but I do think you we, we need to make this right with her because she was really upset, right? And then also going to her because clearly there was something else that happened, um, like the way in which she said you took too big of a bite. Like there, there may be something to address there as well. It just feels like the whole thing was so out of control um, that that the only way to gain it is going to be to impose some kind of system or regulation or plan for moving forward. I'm painting with a broad brushstroke, but men are so bad at apologizing. Men haven't learned how to apologize. Men haven't been asked to apologize. And it might just be something that he has never had to do in a fundamental way. Um, and so I'm hoping that this could be 
you know, this could be a it's cheesy, but like a teaching moment. This could be like the the time for him to turn a corner and actually learn um, how to do this. You know, one of the most important things we do as people is apologizing. Um, and I think you said it right, Elizabeth. Like if he if he isn't willing to to acknowledge his wrongdoing and actually move forward with um, with that, then that's a that's a problem to deal with then. But I mean, I think facilitating some kind of conversation where he's being, you know, called in to, to answer for this and to apologize. Um, it, it could be a, a healing thing, but only if he's willing. Plus she's 12. Like, I don't think the situation with the daughter is going to get easier in terms of trying to have this, what sounds like authoritative parenting, right? Like do what I say. Um, and I have all the rights here. Like that you, you've, that has passed. <laughs> yeah. You have, you have passed that ability. Like that's only going to get less and less as, sh- as she gets older and, and rightfully tries to pull away more, right? Like that's what the teen years are for. Um, I don't think it's going to get any easier. So if you don't gain some kind of family control now through a system that works for everyone, I just see this getting worse and worse kind of for everyone, you know, and I feel bad for the letter writer because essentially she has to choose, um, you know, who to side with and who to protect. And when it's your spouse and your children, that's really complicated. Right. And one of the things that's crazy about this letter is at the beginning of it, it sounds like exactly the kind of thing where if it happened in our family, the spouse would be like, well, clearly she is, this is not a thing that happened or there's more to this story or it wasn't actually a rage incident. But then he's just like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I threw it at her. And, and she's like, yeah, he has some real anger problems. And so it really suggests that like things are, are like long gone. This is way out of control in this family. And that it's like time, as you say, Elizabeth, to set some boundaries. You're so right. Like if one of my kids came in and said like, dad threw a bite of hamburger at me, I would be like, okay, what? <laughs> like I'm a, you must have misunderstood or like, was he choking? <laughs> you know, like, like there definitely would have been some other stories. I, yeah. Ugh. Well, letter writer, I hope our advice helped. I just, I really can feel for this because I think it's such a hard, a hard situation because she is writing because the situation is, is out of control. And it's hard when you have to be the one to bring it back under control because it's not going to be pleasant. So we hope you let us know how it goes. And anyone else, if you have advice for our letter writer, if you've dealt with something similar or just have some thoughts, please let us know by emailing us at slate.com. That's also, of course, where you can send us any questions of your own. It's finally time for recommendations. Dan, what are you recommending for us this week? Uh, I have a home decor recommendation. I'm going to wife guy out a little bit here and say that Alia is extremely good at making our house festive. Uh, That is a thing she really likes to do, especially around holidays. Not in like the our mom style where like, 25 bins come out of the storage space and suddenly everything is festooned with fake snow, but like just like little touches. And a thing that she does that I really love is, you know, all all year round, we have family photos around the house, just like in a frame on the mantle or on bookshelves or whatever. But every October, magically, suddenly all those frames are full of 
old pictures of the girls in all their Halloween costumes from over the years, like Lyra as a zookeeper or toddler Harper as a bee. And then all of a sudden in December, magically the pictures are of all of us at Christmas time, standing in front of various Christmas trees or in tropical climes, the times that we escape the snow. And that is cool. I love that, but that is not the recommendation. The recommendation is the thing she does to make this actually doable, because of course no one would ever go back into all the photos like dig through all the photo albums, pull out the right photos, and then put them in. That's insane. What she does is that she just leaves all the photos in the frames behind all the other photos. So 10 months of the year, the frame just has a picture of like whatever, us at Yellowstone. But then tucked right behind that inside the frame is the Halloween photo. And tucked right behind that is the December photo. So she doesn't have to go hunting around. She just like, you know, on October 1st goes around and flips everything once and 10 minutes later the house is transformed uh, i love it as just the tiniest little hack that i think she invented so you have to pay us a dollar if you do it that's amazing i'm gonna order all the halloween photos and do that right now because i was thinking how would i keep it organized and genius i'm doing it i'm stealing it i'm it's so smart zach beat that no <laughs> <laughs> well my wife um do you know who nick kroll is i do He's a caveman is how I think of him, but I understand that he's had other roles since then. Yes, that's how he, that's how he became famous. Um, he created the Netflix show Big Mouth. He and John Mulaney did uh, Oh Hello, which had a, like a, a couple month long Broadway run. He's a comedian. And he just put out what I believe is his first stand-up special. It's very funny if you like uh, bathroom humor and uh, humor about how we are kind of always the kids we once were, um, even as we become adults it's called little big boy and i have a clip that we're going to listen to from the special why are we so mean to our mom why am i still mean to my mom you guys and you're like i'm not mean to my mom i love my mom okay here's my impression of every single one of you getting a phone call from your mother okay here it goes shorter fuse with anyone in my life than I do my own mother. My mom could be like, I'm forwarding you an article about the LA Art Deco movement. And I'm like, why would you do that? Meanwhile, dads get off scot-free. I remember my dad would call me on the phone and be like, hey son, wanted to come to your baseball game today, but then didn't. And I'm like, that's okay, daddy. My mom's like, I like that jacket on you. I'm like, what about all my other jackets, mom? Here's the thing, moms. Here's what I will say. You've got no game. Just like play it a little cooler, you know? You ever call your mom and it's like, even before it rings, like, hello? And you're like, ugh, butt dial. Sorry, butt dial. Forget it. I gotta go. So that's just the promo. It's worth watching the whole thing. It's on Netflix. It's an hour. If you're a fan of Nick Kroll, you'll like it. If you're not, then you might not. I like how every punchline is being erased by interference. You never silence her calls. <sighs> wow, I would never do any of that. I love my mom. <laughs> of course. Elizabeth, what about you? 
I am recommending Aaron's Putty. I think it's possible I recommended this before, but it has been making a huge resurgence in my house. So this is this little putty and it is now sold like everywhere. Like it is at Target. It is at Amazon. I saw it at Barnes & Noble. Like it's everywhere. But it's this putty. It comes in all different colors, smells, uh, textures. But it is a great like fidget for older kids. I mean, don't give it to anyone that's still putting stuff in their mouth or that is going to like squish it onto your car carpet or furniture or anything. But for all of my kids, it's great. It can come in the car. It's in, they come in these little small tins, which we really like. There's ones that I've been using one that uses like a black light and it changes color on the putty. And we've been practicing our letters and writing with Teddy. That's great. But it's just a nice for, I have two kids that really benefit from the the sensory experience of it. I'm not going to lie. I kind of like it too for those times where you're sitting listening to something. It's quiet, unlike some of the like poppets and other kind of fidgets. It's just really small, really nice. And I'm just a big fan of it. And since we are sort of headed towards the Halloween season, I mean, sorry, since we're sort of headed towards the holiday season, this is a great option for anything you may need just like a little small token or gift for. Um, We usually do like a, we give away the candy and give the kids something else. And this is, they've all asked for like a larger tin of this. So it's just a nice thing to kind of keep in your, your back pocket if you want a little giveaway that you can feel good about and that the kids can play with. And we've just been having a lot of fun. There's a magnet one. I mean, I just every time I'm kind of bugging out on all the all the different <laughs> options that they have that are fun, because of course, I like them too. So that's Aaron's Putty. That's it for our show. We'll be back in your feeds on Thursday. So be sure to tune in. And while you're at it, please subscribe to the show and give us a rating or review on Apple or Spotify. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Christy Tywo-Macanjula. For Dan Coyce and Zach Rosen, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.